0: before the lord in prayer dear heavenly father lord we come again lord to worship you to participate in the worship that you have ordained for yourself our lord we pray and thank you that you've allowed us to come into Your presence even now by the merits of your son our lord and savior jesus christ our lord may he also get all the worship and majesty and honor and blessing as we read from the book of Revelation. Our Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your people that you've gathered. We thank you for all those that shall hear this message. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon them, that they may hear some things about Christ, that they may know that all glory and honor belongs to Christ, and that Christ is their only hope of salvation. And I pray, Lord, that you give your people's ears and eyes to see the things of Christ. I pray and thank you for your word here as recorded for us by the Apostle John and as taught to us by the Holy Spirit. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. John 5, 31 to 36. John 5, 31 to 36. The Lord is going to talk now about testimony he's gonna tell us about himself and the testimony that he has to authenticate his claims about himself in john 31 to 36 this is what john records for us. he says if i alone testify about myself my testimony is not true There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He, that is John, was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. The witnesses of Jesus Christ. We won't be able to go through all the witnesses of the Lord, the witnesses and the testimony that testify to the person and work of Jesus until the very end of the chapter. But this is what we have this far. The Lord has this far declared to us His unity and equality with God the Father. And says, Whatever God is, He is. And whatever God does, he does the same. God the Father raises the dead and gives life. The Son also raises the dead and gives life. Not only that, judgment is the work of God alone. And yet the son has also been commissioned to be the one to carry it out. The Son is the one who has been commissioned to to execute judgment because he is qualified first and foremost as God but in giving all judgment in giving judgment to the son God has a purpose God has a motivation God's motivation and reason in committing all things to the son Is that he has determined to honor the son. He has determined that all should honor the son as the father is honored. For the son to be honored as God the father. God has given and subjected all things to the son. That all the things that have been put under the feet of Christ should honor him. Look at the language. Jesus is the son. And everything else is put in the category of things. Jesus is identified as the son of God. The son of God whom God loves. But everything else is lumped together under the category or title of things. So God sees everything else that is not Jesus as things. And this is important for people to know because we have some people who think that God has their name on his refrigerator in heaven. We are no more than things. And whatever we are before God, it's only by his grace. So the son here is teaching us and saying, it matters what you think and say of him. And he ties what you think and your testimony of him to salvation or condemnation. If you have a low opinion of the son, He says, guess what? That's going to cause you much trouble. This is going to be the way of condemnation. Unless you believe the testimony that God has made about me. And the testimony that I am making about myself. But you have to hear this. Because when people are learning about Christ and salvation... They don't really learn about Christ and salvation from the side of God. They learn about Christ and salvation from a human perspective. And yet the scriptures tell us that if we are careful to read them, that everything exists because God determined to honor the Son. God decreed from eternity that The son shall be honored, and Christ will be honored, and he will not fail. So listen to the decree that God announced from eternity about his son. Listen to Psalm 2, verses 1 to 12. Psalm 2, verses 1 to 12. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bones in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distressed them in his deep displeasure. Listen to this. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, look, the Lord and me are in capital letters. You have two persons there. The Lord God has said to me, the me is in capital letters that is saying that person is God also. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron. You shall dash them To pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Did you hear what God the Father has just said about the Son? God the Father has from eternity declared a decree that his Son shall be honored. So the Son speaks through the mouth of David and declares this decree to us and says from verse 7, I will declare the decree. It's a decree, and all decrees are made from eternity. The Lord has said to me, This is what the Father said to the Son from eternity You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Isn't that the same theology that Jesus is bringing in John and saying, all things have been been given to me. All things have been given to me by my father because the father loves the son. So he has given the son, the nations and peoples as an inheritance. Verse nine, you shall break them with a rod of iron you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. That's judgment. Being carried out by the son. That the son may be honored as he does that. So the son was promised from eternity. That all nations will be his. The son has been appointed to be heir of all things. And thus all things have been put under his feet. And because all things have been subjected under his feet, it matters how you deal with the son. It matters what you think of the son. And so he, he tells us, he warns us ahead of time and says, Let me tell you the correct response when it comes to dealing with me, the son in whom all God's power and authority has been put, I am going to tell you the way that you have to approach me, that it may be well with you. Listen to Psalm 2, 11 and 12. He says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. How can you be rejoicing and be trembling at the same time? Rejoice and tremble. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Blessed are all those who put their trust in the son. Isn't that what Jesus is claiming? That if it has to be well with you, you have to kiss him. You have to trust him. You have to believe in him so god has determined that the son shall be honored and he is going to leave no stone unturned until the son receives all the honor that is due to him and if the son has to be honored as the father is honored he has to demonstrate the power of god He has to demonstrate the authority and the works that God alone does, both to individuals and nations. And what we learn from here also is that the fate of nations and individuals alike are not in their political, economic, or military schemes. The destiny of nations is in the hands of the Son. The destiny of individuals is in the hands of the Son who disposes each and everyone as he sees right in his own sight. That's the proper language of the Bible. The Bible, when it's acknowledging the sovereign right of God, it speaks as him doing whatever is right in his own sight. And now, with respect to individuals, the honoring of the Son and the work of making sure that the Son is honored and exalted and glorified is in the giving of life or judgment. People have to understand this. Jesus Christ is saving people, not because he just wants to bring people to heaven. He is saving people because in this he is honored as God is honored. So salvation and the gospel are God's works designed to cause his son to be exalted as he saves his people and as he judges the reprobates, those who deny the gospel. So then when we are looking at the cross, The cross is a double-edged sword because on one side the cross saves, but at the same time the cross also enters into judgment with those who deny the son. And the cross is saying, if God is willing to kill his own son, the sinless son, the one whom he loves from eternity, if God is willing to punish his son on the cross for something that he did not do, guess what God is willing to do to someone who actually sinned? So the cross is there to display the glory of Christ as the mediator of life and death. We know that even the demons know who Christ is. Demons know who Jesus is. When Jesus came to deliver the man with the legion of demons, the demons cried out. And they said, What business do we have with each other, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? What did the demons recognize? They recognized Jesus for who he is. They gave him the title, the proper recognition of Christ as the son of God, but not only that, as the one who was to bring judgment on them. The demons recognized Jesus as the son of God, not the son of Mary. And they recognized that he was their judge. So the demons have a true testimony of who the Son is. And yet there's something interesting about that. It is that the testimony of the demons about Christ, even though it's true, doesn't save them. The demons are not saved because... They have the right theology of Jesus. But yet God, by his grace, he comes and he saves you even with your bad theology. Why? Because God never intended to save them by their testimony of who Christ is. Why should you enter into the blessedness of God just because you made a true confession of Christ. What value is that? Unless it is only by grace. It is only by grace that God says, Crystal, if you make the correct confession of my son, I am going to bless you with everything that is in Christ. Oh, God is good. He is so good. By your profession of Jesus, God has entered you into the blessedness of his son, which profession the fallen angels have. They know who Jesus is. And yet God does not grant them the blessing that is in Christ. Not because Christ will run out of things to dole out. Christ is God. He can't run out of things. Christ cannot run out of goodness. He can't run out of virtue he is more than all the creation can take. And yet he decides not to bestow his blessings upon the confession of the fallen angels. What is that about? This is all that all creation may properly appreciate the glory and excellence of Christ. This is so that you, when you see Christ and you find yourself in heaven, you can only see grace as the one and only reason why you are there. Christ is the most blessed of God. He is the possessor of heaven and earth, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Who is and who was and who is to come. The almighty God. That's Jesus. Christ already possesses immutable glory as God. God's glory does not increase or decrease because God does not change. What increases is your own view of that glory. You are the one who is going to grow in your appreciation of who God is. The glory of God does not increase or decrease because God is not a creature. And those that are coming to Christ will not appreciate his glory if God just shoved them into heaven like they voted for him. At a political rally or convention, like a lot of the theology that we are hearing these days, that Jesus is just waiting and begging for you to make him into something. Jesus is standing at the door and he can't open your door. You have a big lock and you lost the key and Jesus can't get in. That's false. Jesus is the almighty. He has all the power. He can unlock and close anything and everything. So, the purpose of salvation is such that Christ may be honored. Christ has to be honored. The excellency of Christ has to be put on display. And one of the ways that Christ will be Exalted is in the salvation of his people and the judgment of those who hate him. And this is all according to God's purpose. And because it's God's purpose, it never fails because God never fails. So we have to realize that heaven only comes to us on the ticket that glorifies Christ. Heaven cannot come to you on any other ticket that glorifies anything about you. Heaven does not come like that because anything that glorifies you, whether in your decision for Christ, in your realization of Christ, is taking away glory from Christ. If you have to make it to heaven, you have to come only on the footing of Jesus. And there's no back door. There's no back door to heaven. And there are no multiple ways to heaven that one can sidestep the person of Christ. You cannot sidestep the person of Jesus. So you hear the statements by the Lord that they do not leave any room for anyone to have any other way or any other option, that is not him. Jesus is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. That's very dogmatic. That is very close-minded. That is a straight metal jacket. You can't expand it. You have to fit into it. That's the only way that, according to Jesus, you are going to be able to make it to heaven. It is all about him. Or you burn. But even when you burn, he is still glorified. So Jesus says, I've been granted power and authority to grant life now and in the resurrection and to judge, to condemnation, because by this I am honored as God is honored. But here, if you were to look at John chapter 5 and listen to the arguments of Jesus, Jesus has one major argument. His argument is that he is God. He is arguing for his person as God and his sovereign right that comes from him being God and now he gives us the witness and testimony to his person Jesus has said in John 5:17 My Father is working until now and I myself am working John 5:1923 Truly truly I say to you The son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. Verse 21, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. So the purpose of God in all things is honor the son and we have to get that to get our theology right we have to get that everything that has happened in this universe whether it's the sinning of Adam the fall of man the fall of the devil all that have Christ in view that he may be glorified as he enters into judgment with these creatures Salvation is so that Christ may be glorified. And you're going to hear this in the book of John. As the Lord gets closer and closer to the cross, he continues to use the language of the hour and glory. Father, now glorify your son that he may glorify you. The cross is the glorification of, or was the glorification of the Son. Condemnation is also for the glorification of the Son. But he says, Jesus says some things that it is not lawful for anybody to say, unless they are God. Jesus says, He who believes in my testimony of myself, Or the Father's testimony of me has been judged to life. Where do you get that authority? Where do you get that understanding from? You have been judged to life and you possess eternal life. How and why? Because the Son gives them life, the Son gives them His righteousness. And the package that comes with the Son is a package that has everything that you need for life. It is righteousness. It is everlasting life. It is justification. It is sanctification. It is adoption. It is everything. But there's something that we need to know. When you are reading the Bible... Judgment to life or death is always based on good deeds or bad deeds. It's a very consistent teaching of the scriptures right from the Old Testament all the way to Revelation. That when it comes to judgment, one is judged by their good deeds or bad deeds. The requirement of good deeds does not change in salvation. We are going to work this because we need to understand. Because it helps us understand the gospel. God always judges people based on good or bad deeds. And that is a requirement of salvation. And this is the reason why the Lord said in John 5 28 and 29 Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. And will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So, do you see the connection between. The resurrection to life and good deeds. And the resurrection to condemnation with bad deeds. Listen again to Revelation 20. Revelation 20 verses 11 to 15. This is what it says. This is by the way the great white throne. The great white throne. This is what the Lord recorded for us. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it. From whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Did you hear that? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So get some understanding. Judgment is always based on your good deeds or your bad deeds. Such that those who do or did the good deeds will be resurrected to a resurrection of life. But those who committed the evil deeds will be resurrected to judgment and condemnation. But we have a problem. From the scriptures, we know that none has good deeds. The scriptures are very clear to say none has good deeds. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 9 and 23. And by the deeds of the flesh shall no flesh be justified before him. Romans three twenty. Galatians 2.16 So who are these who have good deeds? Who experience the resurrection to life? And where did they get their good deeds from? Knowing that there's none born of a woman who is capable of doing good deeds. Now we have a problem. But we have a solution. We have a problem and a solution. The solution, the problem is God can only judge you to life and everlasting life if you possess good deeds, but you have a problem that you don't have any good deeds. So, where do you get the good deeds from? The one who believes in Christ possesses good deeds. To believe in Christ is reckoned by God as good deeds. Because faith connects us to the person and the complete and perfect work and deeds of Jesus. Jesus Christ and his works are the only basis upon which one can be reckoned as possessing good deeds. So feeding the hungry and drilling boreholes for the poor does not justify anyone before God as to attain eternal life. Did you hear that? There's nothing that you can do in your flesh that will justify you before God as righteous. You cannot attain to life or the resurrection to life by your doing because it is all about you and your doing salvation is only in what God performed in Christ in Christ alone because this is what honors the Son. so those who rise to the resurrection of life have good deeds On account of the righteousness of christ those who are resurrected to condemnation stand on their own righteousness and their deeds done in the flesh you see the distinction the ones who are resurrected to a resurrection of life have good deeds on account of christ so they stand On the good works of Christ they don't stand on their good works but the ones who are judged to condemnation stand on their own they don't stand on anybody else they stand on their own and these are judged to everlasting condemnation so salvation is found only in the person and work of Christ. But what is the content? What is the content of the deeds that lead to a resurrection, to life? Because some day, some time, some year, we actually have to deal with this in a real way, not just in a preaching and hearing way. We have to find ourselves before the throne of God what is it that you have to believe about jesus that leads you to a resurrection of life it is faith alone in christ alone it is faith alone in christ alone faith in christ is not a work of man but of god to have faith in christ is a work but not of man, but of God. Faith is a gift from God. Jesus Christ is the author, the giver, and perfecter of faith. So what are we to believe about Jesus? The content of a serving faith. We are talking about serving faith. The content of A saving faith that leads to life, to a resurrection of life in this hour and the hour to come, is in believing what God says about Jesus and what Jesus says about himself. The true content of faith that saves makes recognition to kiss the Son. To kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. The one who kisses the son and makes peace with him and any who trust in him shall not be ashamed. Do you see the connection between you and having peace with the son? He says, do not work. Come and kiss the son. To kiss the son is to make the same testimony of the Son as God the Father has made of His own Son. To kiss the Son is to believe in what the Son says about Himself. To kiss the Son is to stand on His righteousness alone. To kiss the Son is to stand on His good deeds alone alone. For salvation. And the son will not accept. A testimony of himself. That is not befitting of God. He will not have. Any other testimony. That will make him less than who he is. So if we have a low opinion of Jesus. We are not kissing the son. And we are in trouble. You have to have. A high opinion of the person of Jesus and his work. We are going to hear, but this is about testimony. John the Baptist has been making a testimony of Jesus as soon as he shows up in John chapter 1. And Jesus is making a testimony of himself by his works as as soon as he begins his ministry. Jesus would have you understand what He has recorded for us. Jesus will have you understand the testimony of God that He has made about Him, because your testimony of Christ is useless. It doesn't help you. Your testimony of Christ. Christ does not need your testimony and he's going to say that. He's going to say that of John and says I do not need testimony from men. But Jesus, how can you say that about John? He's been talking about you. Jesus says, "No, no, no, no. I don't really care for your testimony. I don't. I am the son of God and I testify of myself and the Father testifies of me, and I know that the testimony of my father is true. So ultimately, as I said earlier, that even the demons made a testimony and a true testimony of Christ, but Jesus did not honor it. Because he doesn't care about their testimony. But he cares about the testimony of the father. Listen to this. Matthew 16, 13-17. Simon Peter's confession. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, Did you notice something? Jesus did not make a comment on what they said. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven." The Lord Jesus Christ did not say, Oh, these people are wrong. Go and tell them the truth about me, that I am not John the Baptist risen from the dead. I am not Jeremiah. I am not Elijah. I am not one of the prophets. He doesn't take time to do that. In fact, In Luke 8.21, he tells them and warns them not to tell that to anybody. He says, don't God tell anybody. So where are we then? Jesus is saying, your life depends on your testimony of him. But a true testimony of Christ does not come from your own understanding it has to be revealed to you it has to be given to you by the father from heaven and he says to have a true testimony of Jesus is a blessing blessed are you Simon son of John you are blessed to have that confession of Jesus we minimize the gospel into things that we can do. And yet the gospel is about the revelation of the person of Christ. People want to make salvation about them and the little and foolish things that they do. And they minimize the blessedness of having the proper confession of Jesus, which confession is the only one Jesus says leads to life. So Jesus is not an ordinary person. Jesus is not a regular guy. Jesus is the son of God. So he comes and he makes a testimony of himself. And he says, we're back to John 5. And he says, John 5, 31 to 35. If I alone testify about myself. My testimony is not true. He was not saying that he was lying even though he was testifying of himself. It wasn't saying that his testimony would not be true because he was testifying of himself. We shall learn why he was saying that statement. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. You have sent John, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So the Lord says, I am just not making up the claims that I'm making about myself. These things are true, and I have true testimony and independent witness to verify my claims. And the Jews would have understood what the Lord was saying. They would have understood and known Deuteronomy 19 verse 15. Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, says, One witness shall not rise against a man concerning an iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So the Lord here was connecting them to the law of witness. And he's saying, you know the law about witness I am not just going to witness about myself or else that won't be according to the law. But I'm going to give you more independent witness to testify to the things that I am saying about myself. So a matter could only be established as true if two or more witnesses came and testified to the veracity of what was in contention. And the Lord says, guess what? I have testified of myself. But if I stop there, then my testimony is not true. But I have additional witness who stands in the witness box and testifies of me. And his testimony is true. So in this chapter, the rest of this chapter, then the Lord brings out five witnesses or testimony or testimonies of himself. He says, Number one, John the Baptist testified of me. Number two, the works that Jesus performed testified of him. Number three, the testimony of the Father. Number four, the testimony of the scriptures. You read the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but it is they that testify of me. And number five, Moses. If you, have, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed of me because Moses spoke of me. But as I said earlier, today we'll just deal with only two of those. We'll finish the rest, hopefully, maybe next week. John the Baptist has witnessed of Christ. John the Baptist came and bore witness of Christ in John 1, 6-8, where the apostle John says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John the Baptist came to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. But John was not the light. He was only sent to prepare, sent ahead to prepare the way of the Lord. And the one that he prepared the way for has the title of the Lord. John prepared the way for God, Jesus Christ. John confessed and did not deny that he was not the Christ. Because a lot of people thought maybe with what John was doing with this preaching of repentance and baptism, maybe he was the Christ. And John says, no, I'm not the Christ. In John 1.15... John bore witness of Christ and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. In John 1.23, we hear of the testimony of John. quoting from Isaiah, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. In John 1:26 to 26-27, if you still remember, there was a delegation from the Jews that came to John and were inquiring about John. And this is what John said to them. I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me, that is to say, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. And in John 1, 29 to 36, we hear this testimony from John. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So John's testimony is that Jesus was preferred before him because he existed before him and had a higher rank than him. John's testimony was that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he received this testimony not from man but from God the Father and the Holy Spirit also testifying By landing on Christ as the anointed one. But listen again. John 3, 25 to 31. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So this is John's testimony of Jesus. This is John's testimony of Jesus. And Jesus says to the Jews, you heard all these things from John. This is what John testified about me, but you won't listen to John. And after all that John had testified of the Lord, hear the testimony of Jesus about John. John 5, 30, 30 to 35. You have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. So everything that we've just read is the truth. Jesus says, everything that John said about Christ is the truth. Verse 34. Why did you put it in there? But the testimony which I receive is not from men. He's saying, the testimony which I receive is not from John. But I say these things so that you may be saved. Now, he tells us who John was. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. (laughs) The Lord says to the Jews, you know everything about John and what he said. And John testified of me. He testified... Of the truth, he pointed you to me. And you rejoiced in his light, but you missed the point. You rejoiced in his light, but you missed the point. The light of John was supposed to lead you to me and not John. But those who listened to what John was saying have come to me. They have come to me for I am greater than John. Jesus is saying, You have a witness in John. Jesus is saying, You have a witness in the law and the prophets. If you are reading the scriptures and you don't come to the conclusion that they are talking about Jesus, Jesus says, You have read them wrong. If you read the scriptures, And use them for anything which is not to lead you to Jesus. Then Jesus says, your reading is in vain. Because you don't gain anything from them unless they lead you to me. Jesus also is saying to the Jews. The words of John did not just evaporate into thin air. For what? He testified of, is here staring in your face? John was not just making some correct statements about someone who did not exist. He is saying, whatever John was saying is right here staring at you. John was the lamb. Don't miss that past tense. Jesus says, John was. That's past tense that was signaling that John, John's mission had already ended. John testified of Christ and his mission ended. So at this time, John most likely may have been in prison or had already been beheaded by Herod. And look at how God removes John from the picture. You get beheaded after having made a testimony Of the Son of God. That's how he removes you. Wow. But listen to the testimony of Jesus about John. Listen to this. For I say to you, among those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That's in Luke 7.28. If you remember, I've taught on this before, about what that was saying. Who is this person who is list in the kingdom, who is greater than John, and yet Jesus has just said, of all born of a woman, there's no one who is greater than John the Baptist. And yet he comes with a different category and says, But the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than John. Who is this person who is least in the kingdom who is greater than John? John, who is greater than all? It is Christ himself. Christ himself is the one who is least in the kingdom. Because he is Jehovah's servant who dies a horrible death. As the least among all people. Because he dies as a sinless man, condemned and dying criminal. So Jesus is the one who is least in the kingdom. And because he is least in the kingdom, he is greater than all. (laughs) Christ is the one who is least in the kingdom. And because he is least in the kingdom, he is greater than all. So he says, For you have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. According to Jesus, John the Baptist testified to the truth. But he says, I did not need and do not need his testimony. Jesus does not need any validation from man. John the Baptist gave the testimony of a man. And I as the son of God do not need the testimony of one of my creatures. If anything, you need to hear the things that I have to say to you and believe on them that you may be saved. You see, that's what he was saying there in verse 34 of John chapter 5. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. So Christ is making these confessions about himself, about himself, so that when you believe in them, that is how you attain to salvation. But listen to this. Even though John the Baptist's testimony was true it was just like the bright and shining lamp with kerosene that was in someone's hands it's a very purposeful statement he is saying the light of John that's human testimony was from a candle light or a lamp that was burning And that needed someone to kindle it and to carry it around. John the Baptist is just like a lamp. It needs someone to come and kindle and someone to put fuel into the lamp and to carry it around. And I am not like John the Baptist. I am not the light like John the Baptist has. I have light in myself. I have light that cannot be extinguished. My light is ever-burning light. So the testimony of John is much lower than my own testimony of myself. John is just a lamp. So Jesus is very purposeful to make a distinction between his own light and the light that John brings. The light that John brings is a light that is coming from a lamp that burns and goes out. And so he went out. Oh, Praise the Lord. So there's a greater light that does not need kerosene to keep burning. And this light does not need testimony from any man. It testifies of itself and it has the testimony of heaven. It burns continuously by itself and does not need someone to carry it or put more kerosene or paraffin into it. So, because John the Baptist is the lamb, the lamb goes out. And this is how John goes out. He gets beheaded. He gets beheaded. That's how God puts out your light. You get beheaded. That Christ may increase. That the light of Christ may shine by itself. John 5.36. Getting close. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So now Jesus gives us his own testimony of himself and the works that he does. He says he has a greater witness than John's. For the works that he does are the works that the Father has given him to finish as testimony of his person. The works, the signs that Jesus performed were a witness that he was from God and that he was God. Do you see the twofold function of the signs? They were testifying that Christ was from God, and not only that, that he was God. John the Baptist was a man sent from God too, but Jesus was God the Son. The works of Jesus were not just saying he had power from God, but that he was the power of God. It was saying he is God For God alone could do the kind of works that he performed and say the kind of things that Jesus said. The healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, the forgiveness of sins were all signs that witnessed to the deity of Jesus. The Lord then wants you and I to know and understand that the miracles that he performed are not for people to be mesmerized Jesus was not just putting a show Jesus was no magician Jesus is the son of God the miracles were there to authenticate his person first and foremost and his message and even now we see a lot of people They get so fixated on miracles and yet they don't even want to hear about the gospel. They don't want to hear the teaching of the gospel. They just say, if you are the man of God, you have to show me your power. You got to do some work. You got to do some miracle. You have to mesmerize me, but it takes more than you getting mesmerized to believe in Jesus. You need to be born again. You need revelation from God to know the person of Jesus. And without revelation from God, it doesn't matter how much you get mesmerized, you won't be saved. So we have a lot of people now claiming to be miracle workers. And they're building big edifices in their name. They're called men of God. And yet, they don't teach Christ. They don't preach Christ. And without preaching Christ, no one can be saved. So then, the Jews were accusing Jesus of performing miracles and healing people by the power of the devil, Beelzebub I want you to have understanding in the context of witness why that was a problem, to make such a statement, given that Jesus is so bent on saying there's a testimony and a true witness of me from heaven. There's a testimony of Christ That is outworking itself through his works the Jews come and they accuse him of performing his works by the power of the devil Jesus is God incarnate Jesus is God in the flesh and the accusations of the Jews are saying no Jesus you are not God in the flesh you are the devil in the flesh. So the issue there was an issue of testimony. It was an issue of testimony. Listen to this. Matthew 12, 22 to 32. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that... The blind and mute men both spoke and saw. And all the multitude were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Verse 31. Therefore I, therefore I say to you, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven man. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven man. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit... It will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. So what is happening in the context of what we are hearing from Jesus about witness? This was man trying to make a witness of Christ and it was a false witness. Jesus made a confession of John's witness and said, even though John was a man, yet john confessed to the truth he made a testimony of the truth and yet we hear the jews here accusing jesus of performing miracles by the power of the devil and at the end of it jesus says when you do that you are blaspheming not just god but the holy spirit listen this the sin of blasphemy according to the Lord, was in accounting, was in accounting the work of the Holy Spirit in the authentication of the person of Christ. The Holy Spirit is testifying of Jesus. That's the only reason why all this work is being done. It's testifying of who Christ is. And then they came and said, No, that is the work of the devil. You are authenticating Jesus as the devil. The Lord does not need testimony or witness from the devil. And he says, One who attributes witness and testimony of the Son to the works of the devil... Commits blasphemy against the spirit. The Lord here recognizes the spirit as God because blasphemy can only be committed against deity. And even in that statement, guess what? That's a Trinitarian statement. We are here introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit as one that one can commit blasphemy against so the holy spirit is god the authentication of christ can only be done by one who is from heaven so to say the work of christ was due to the work of the devil was to commit blasphemy. And God determined that anyone who says that shall not be forgiven. And that's serious business. So do you see that all we are saying is that it's important what you say about Jesus. That's the whole point. And that's what Jesus is saying. He is saying it matters what you actually believe and say about me. Jesus Is arguing for his person as God and he is adamant he cannot allow anyone to have any testimony of him that is not who he is but not only that the Lord is arguing for his sovereign right as God and says my sovereignty extends into death into life into the resurrection, and into judgment. And so he teaches them, and he teaches us, and says, look, I have plenty of testimony about who I am, and if you do not believe it, you will not see life. But if you do, you have passed from death to life. And ultimately, he says, I do not need the testimony of men. The opinions of men do not affect me, and I am not going to have high blood pressure because someone denied me. But then he says, It matters what you make of me, though, <laughs> because your salvation is dependent on it. Your salvation is dependent on what you say about the person and work of Christ. And you're going to hear me say this for as long as I'm standing up here. I'll continue to remind you and to teach you because the scriptures continue to remind us that Christ is the Son of God and that testimony is linked to your salvation or lack of salvation. The opinion of man doesn't matter. And... Even in our day, as I alluded earlier, maybe in the children's class, there are a lot of people who are in the pulpit who sound orthodoxy. They sound like they believe in the gospel. You say Jesus, they come and hug you, they smile, they invite you to the house. But when it comes down to who do you say the Son of Man is, then you realize that they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son. And there we have problem. But the Bible, the the apostles, the scriptures are adamant and without apology, they declare to us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And one cannot faithfully read the Bible with understanding and come to any other conclusion which is not that jesus is god you can't come to any other conclusion jesus is god and unless you are not born again if you're not born again of course you can't come to that conclusion but if you're born again you're born again that you may have that testimony that's the reason why you are born again you're born again that you may have the testimony Of the truth of the person of Christ. So he says, and we are done. Whether you like it or not, you shall honor the Son of God in salvation or in condemnation. But if you believe in him, though you were dead, Though you were dead, you have had His voice, and you shall live. And if you believe now that is this hour, you shall be resurrected to life in the hour that is coming. However, you cannot compromise the identity of the person of Christ. His works have testified of his identity. John the Baptist has testified of him. And the Father has te- testified of him. The scriptures and Moses have also testified of him. And you have no excuse not to have the same testimony of him. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come with the testimony of Christ, your son, that he is your son who is in the bosom of the father, the only begotten, the one through whom the world and everything was created. And it is by him that we have salvation, that we have life, that we have forgiveness of sins. And it is by him that all men shall be judged. And those who have done good things will be given life in him. But those who were stubborn and obstinate and would not listen to the gospel would be judged to everlasting contempt. Our Lord, we pray and thank you for your witness of your son. For we could not make a true witness of Christ had Christ not been revealed to us, had Christ not revealed himself to us, had the Holy Spirit not revealed Christ to us, had the scriptures not spoken about him. We pray, Lord, that you keep the testimony of Christ in our hearts and our minds, that we may not perish, that your people may not perish. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.